It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we have nothing left to learn about this damn team. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1333 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 2nd. R.I.P. to Fred Lamarmont and all of that. Happy Groundhog Day. I am your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. And boy, has this been the worst one. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we are on YouTube. You can go hit the big red subscribe button over on the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel to support the show. And, uh, you know, give me some light in these dark days. You know, the team's not winning, but we can build the numbers on the YouTube channel. That's progress, right? All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. All right. Let's get to it on today's show. The Toronto Raptors fall 131-128 to the Utah Jazz in a game that uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> just. The most predictable, the most Raptors ass loss you could possibly conceive. So in line with everything else we've seen this year. And frankly, I, I think it is kind of the nail in the coffin. This is the game that broke me. I've been optimistic. I've been thinking all season long, you know what? There's a good team in here. And I will go to my grave thinking that there was a good team hidden somewhere in this husk of a basketball squad they're rolling out right now. Uh, but they haven't found it. And it does not look as though they're going to find it. And that leaves us now with one week to sit here and twiddle our thumbs, waiting for the Raptors to do something in response to what has been, I think, the most disappointing Raptors season since the Hito Turgaloo year. Uh, the Tampa year was not great, but also everyone, everyone kind of expected that was going to suck, you know, just vibes-wise being in Tampa. COVID hit the team, all of that. It, it is what it is. This season, there were expectations. There was belief. There were there are very good players on the team, as is evidenced by the lineup of teams looking to trade for all these dudes, reportedly, uh, you know, going into the deadline. And yet they haven't been able to figure it out. The mix is off very clearly. And I don't think there's much left to learn about this team. They will play more games between now and the deadline. I don't think they're going to illuminate us as to anything new or different as to what we're thinking right now. We know certain things about the Toronto Raptors, and they were all on display last night. We know they have to play on the margins. They have to muck up the 20% of the game where things are chaotic, where things are in transition, when things are not set in the half court. 
We know they have to play the possession game because their offense is just not there. As much as it's been there more lately, and 128 points against the Jazz, I mean, offense wasn't necessarily the problem. First shot offense sure was, considering they had to pick up 25 offensive rebounds in this game just to keep going. They out field goal attempt the Jazz by 27. That sounds like something the Raptors would do. They also lose this game by three. They get out attempted from three by 24 three-point attempts. That's also something we know the Raptors like to do. You know, they, they can't even pretend they want to get a key stop late in games. There was a big pressure to chew a block late. That's nice. There were a ton of other possessions that were just completely, utterly directionless against a ball-movement-heavy Jazz team that is going to exploit the fact that as much as you want to play a defense where dudes fly around all over the place and cover tons of ground, the basketball is always going to be faster than them. And if you don't have proper rim protection at the back to clean up the messes that leak through, you're screwed. And the Raptors defense, once again, we know this about the Raptors. This has been my biggest critique of Nick Nurse all season long. The defense just is too hard to execute over the course of 48 minutes, 82 times a season. When they hit their peaks, it's incredible. They look unstoppable, but hitting the peaks is really, really hard. There's a reason people don't live on the top of Mount Everest. There's no there's no oxygen up there. It's impossible to live up there. It's great. The view's incredible, but it's really hard to get there. And so that's, I think, the mountain the Raptors are constantly climbing with their defense that puts them on the back heel far too often, especially against a team like the Jazz that moves the ball incredibly well and shoots the hell out of it. We know they don't have enough good players. <laughs> they just we They don't have enough good players on the team You lose to the Jazz, and you play six players 20 or more minutes. You play seven players 10 or more minutes. You have Scotty Barnes playing 41. You've got Pascal Siakam playing 39, and that's with fouling out. You have Van Vliet and Trent playing 38, and you're still losing because there's not enough support for these guys, and they're very clearly exhausted. Pascal Siakam is gasping for air, it seems, every single time down the floor. The player he's been over the last month, I don't think is the player that Pascal Siakam is in a vacuum, but the conditions of the season, the fact that he was carrying such a huge burden as the rest of the team was slumping its way through the first two and a half months of the season, the Bills come and do for Pascal right now. It's very similar, I think, to 2015 Kyle Lowry, where he carried the team with DeMar DeRozan out, and then it just kind of slowly decayed over the course of the season, his physical state into the point where he could barely even jump as they're getting swept out of the playoffs by the Wizards. It's just, we know there's not enough good players on this team. We'll talk later on about how maybe Walker Kessler could have been on this team and how bloody helpful that would have been. It's just, there's not enough good players. And this is not new. None of this stuff is new. I've talked about this stuff all season long with sort of the hope and the, the optimism that, hey, the good stuff that's going on here will eventually become the thing that stands out. They will get on a run. They will sort of turn this thing around and play up to their talent. But it's 53 games now. It's not happening, man. It's just not happening. And they continue to not have enough good players. They bring in their bench guys. Delano Banton, not an NBA player. Malachi Flynn, not an NBA player. Christian Coloco, I think, will be good one day and is like the saving grace, potentially, of the Thad Young drop down in the draft trade and not getting Walker Kessler. We'll talk about that later, too. But, you know... Wancho doesn't get uh, any time in this game. Ken Birch can't sniff playing time right now and is still on the team for another year. A lot has gone wrong with the front office, the way things have been built, the way things have been assembled. And, you know, as much as I think patience is still a, a virtue in front office team building and you could keep this core together going into next year and probably expect them to bounce back and be better than they've been this season, 
I don't think we're going to see that because I think they would be kind of lunatics if they were like, yeah, let's just run this thing back and see. I have been skeptical of trading certain guys. I have There are things I don't want to see the Raptors do because I think it would be, you know, trade for the sake of making a trade type stuff. And I don't want you to get, you don't have to get too crazy here. I don't think. You have Scotty Barnes, you have Precious Achua, you have upward mobility. There is a pathway here to retooling on the fly and being a good team next season that's ascendant and can kind of continue the upward trajectory that you hope to see for a team with a 21-year-old budding star. But at this point, I I would not be surprised by anything, and I couldn't blame the Raptors front office for anything. I don't want to see Pascal Siakam go. I'm pretty sure I don't want to see Fred Van Vliet go. We'll talk about his 34-point triple-double last night, the sort of big one thing that didn't suck about this game. Um, we'll, We'll get to that and the reasons for why I feel those things in the next segment, actually, as we dive into where I'm at just sort of on each of the main guys on the team trade-wise going into the next week or so here. But it's, I don't think you could look at what's happened so far this year, look at the lifelessness they're playing with, look at the lack of ideas in terms of the coaching, you know, the coaching is a whole other thing that we can get into as well. And, you know, we've talked about it. I think Nick Nurse is a good coach. There should be room for growth and improvement and adaptation. But considering all that's happened, you could tell me any number of things happen in the next week, and I would not blame the Raptors front office for pulling the trigger. I might disagree with what they do. But I would not be surprised by anything that happens between now and February the 9th, except maybe if they do nothing. And that would be maybe surprising. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to dig into the, uh, the sort of my status report on where I'm at with all the main Raptors guys as to whether or not they should be dealt or not going into the deadline. Uh, I'll kind of give my reasons and obviously room to change my, my mind over the course of the next seven days. But I don't think much is going to be changed, as I said Last night was the nail in the coffin, man. That game broke me. This team stinks, and uh, something's got to happen. We're going to come back to the other side to talk about what those somethings might be. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. I mean, you could probably have chicken wings and matzo sticks and stuff, too, but FanDuel, that app is the number one, and they're really exciting. We're, we're really excited to have them as our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. You get those fun props, Gatorade colors, coin flip results, all that good stuff that you like to do. You know, how long will the national anthem be? Will there be some sort of calamity at the halftime show? You can put all the money down on those interesting props over at FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get pager winnings instantly. Feel free uh, to go and download the app right now and get yourself started. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Meltdown mania over here. Uh, that game last night, boy, <laughs> just uh, sent me spinning. Um, let's get into it here. We're going to run through all the main guys and sort of my my thought on whether or not they should be dealt. We'll weave in some of the most recent reporting from around the league as well to kind of illuminate things here. Let's start with Fred Van Vliet, shall we? We'll talk about Fred as well when we get to the good, the bad, and the hmm at the end of the show. But right now, I think, Fred, I've made the case. I think you still got to keep him right now. Barring some offer where you get your socks blown off, barring a deal where you maybe with Fred or via OG, where you end up with a lead guard you can go into next season with, which is very much a possibility. You know, we talked last week about the sort of fake framework for Tyrese Maxey that's probably not going to go down because the Sixers are just steamrolling everyone right now. Why would they go change up the mix? But, you know, that that does make sense on paper. And, you know, some Sixers fans I talked to about it also think it makes sense on paper. Um, but if you get a Maxi, if you get, I don't know, Portland, for example, maybe they want to get out of the Anthony Simons biz- business. We know they've had interest in OG in the past. Maybe that's a move they look at making, an, an OG for Simons swap. If you get a guy like Simons as your lead guard, then Fred becomes more expendable. My thing is you have to have a plan for who is going to play point guard for your team next season. And Fred Van Vliet, right now as it stands, without any sort of new candidates emerging, is the best case scenario for point guard next season for the Raptors. You know, again, maybe they win the draft lottery. They're sixth in the odds right now. Maybe they get Scoot Henderson. Maybe they get Victor Wembanyama and Scotty Barnes as their point guard of the future, and they get to play future basketball for the rest of time. Who's to say? But right now, there is no backup plan for Fred to be whoever the point guard is going to be next season. And so I don't think you can just go trade him for the sake of trading him, which is kind of what it feels like it would be unless you have the wheels in motion to set yourself up with an actual roster, an actual point guard for next season to start the year. Maybe Scotty Barnes is your point guard going into next year. That feels a little risky to me, a little premature maybe on his development curve to just throw him those those duties. But hey, maybe that's the way they go. Either way, Fred's really good, and he makes this team better when he's playing his best, and he's been awesome for the last month. Maybe what he's done lately is driving up his trade value and all that, and people are going crazy over that. I just don't see there being a great return for Fred out there. He's an expiring contract. The best I think you could do is maybe that Clippers package we've talked about here with Terrence Mann coming back. If you can get Terrence Mann, maybe some other lead guard. Terrence Mann ain't going to be your lead guard. He's not going to be the Clippers lead guard as much as they want to say he's going to be. If you can get yourself a Terrence Mann and also some other guard to sort of begin the process of building your new backcourt, uh, then maybe Fred is movable. But as it stands right now, I don't see a very viable option to make it happen, but I could be proven wrong because stuff comes out of nowhere all the time in the NBA, especially with the Raptors. Gary Trent Jr. This one's interesting. So I think this one's probably going to come down to the wire, and I think it should. The latest from Michael Grange yesterday at Sportsnet is that, A, doesn't seem like there's that hot a trade market for Gary in season right now, and the rumored potential returns are like a bogus first-round pick with heavy, heavy protections or a couple of seconds. And if that's the case... And the other bit of Grange's reporting is true, which is that apparently his, he's suggesting there's not going to be some crazy bidding war for Trent Services in the offseason. And I think that makes sense. He's the type of player, he's in the tier of player who's always going to get squeezed by the open market because there's not a ton of teams with cap space every summer and teams are going to prioritize their cap space on better players than Gary Trent Jr.'s. I do think there's a world in which you can bring him back on a pretty reasonable deal. Grange suggesting that something like $20 million a year could get it done. If you can get Gary Trent Jr. for four years, 80 mil, 100% you'd do that. I, I think that's a no-brainer to keep him. 
If you can get a better offer than two seconds before the deadline, sure, go ahead. But I, I think for me right now, the as far as the asset management goes, asset management, I'm going to be a ghoul here, but as managing the asset goes, if you are not going to get a substantial return for Gary Trent Jr. and you think you can keep him, which the reporting is that there, there seems to be mutual interest on both sides, four years 80 mil for Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who fits wonderfully next to Pascal Siakam and and Scotty Barnes in theory and in practice. The numbers suggest those guys play well together too, and the offense is great when those three guys share the floor most of the time over the last two years. Um, I think you got to just do it and, and say, you know what, Gary's the guy we keep here. And maybe that makes you more open to trading Fred. Maybe you trade one of Gary or Fred. Um, but and, and if Fred's going to get you the bigger return, maybe that's the move. OG. Let's get to OG here. I, I think you have to trade OG Ananobi at this point, which sucks to say. I love OG. He's excellent. But multiple factors at play here. This might be the time to strike while the iron's hot to get the biggest possible return you can get for OG Ananobi. And that's because contenders are out there potentially circling the waters. There's reports today from Chris Haynes on the This League on Cup podcast with Mark Stein that uh, the Grizzlies don't want the Pelicans to get OG and the Pelicans don't want the Grizzlies to get OG. Uh, I'm spoiling what my hmm is for later on, but that 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 is what the, home, the hmm is going to be. We'll talk about why there's a hmm involved in that. But either way, um, you know, that's going on. You have these teams that could be one OG away from winning a championship. You might never get more for OG than you do right now. And you dodge the decision of having to pay him potentially 35 mil or more a year in 18 months, which I just don't know as incredible as OG is defensively. I don't know if you can allot that much of your salary cap in a salary cap league to a player who can't create his own shot effectively, consistently, and who right now is best served as the fifth option in most of the lineups he's playing with the Raptors right now. And the the usage drop over the last month suggests that. The team has gotten better offensively. His role has gone down. He's been very catch-and-shoot and and cut-based in his time over the last month or so. And the Raptors' offense has been not their problem over the last little while here. I think the sort of reallocation of OG's touches is maybe a reason for that. And if you're already doing that, maybe paying him 35 mil a year is not the move. And so I think you got to move him. Maybe you could wait for the summer if you don't get yourself a good offer this year. And that's totally viable too. But you get two playoff runs if you're the team trading for him now as opposed to the summer. The, the flip side is in the summer, you'll probably get more teams involved in the bidding just because people have more ca- picks available and there's more cap space around and there's just more maneuverability for rosters than there is in the middle of the season. But if you can get a bidding war going, which it sounds like maybe the Raptors are trying to do right now, um, this might be the time to move OG. I would be surprised, actually, I think, you know, if he's on the Raptors a week from now, which is a bummer to say, but... Um, it just seems to make too much sense. And he is so obviously the guy who can most quickly expedite whatever this sort of turning over the roster is going to be to set yourself up for the Scotty Pascal core next season. Precious, obviously, you know, factored into that as well. It just feels like the move you got to make. I also have Chris Boucher here. I think if you could find a taker for him for two second round picks, you'd do it. Honestly, he might help a team as like a piece of depth. Um, you know, we know his limitations. We know he can be a very, very good reserve as well. I just don't know how much you want to keep him around for the next couple years here if you're sort of reorienting things, maybe moving away from everybody being the same size all the time on the floor. Maybe if you can get off Boucher's pretty substantial number, it's about $12.5 million. If you can get off that number and get a couple of picks in return, send him somewhere where he can go play a playoff run, that'd be great for Chris Boucher. Would love to see that for him. Um, maybe that's a move you can pull. And then Malachi Flynn, I would just see if I can do the Matt Thomas treatment too and just get a second round, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm over the Malachi Flynn thing. 
That brings me to Pascal Siakam, who I, I know a lot of people sort of, uh, at least in the comments of YouTube, would like to see moved. You keep Pascal Siakam. I know he's not been the same player over the last month, but that's not a proper representation of who he is. He's absolutely gassed. Everybody can see it. It's plain as day. He's been carrying the team on his back because he's an all-NBA-level star. He's a very good basketball player who you can probably have on your team for the next six seasons. You don't just give up that guy lightly. And the other thing here, too, and God, I hate how ghoulish this whole segment's been because it's all about contracts and value, but that's just the reality of where we are right now, so bear with me. But right now, it seems as though Siaka making All-NBA is probably unlikely. There's going to be a lot of competition for the forward spots, and the Raptors ain't good. He's obviously fallen off a little bit from where he was in the first two and a half months because of the fatigue and all of that. He might not make All-NBA, probably won't make All-NBA, and that means he won't have the Supermax available to him this offseason. It'll just be a regular old Max that the Raptors can go offer him. Gives them a little bit more cushion and flexibility going forward if they have him on the books at the the, the regular Max number as opposed to the Supermax number, and I think makes him a, a much more sort of a much more reasonable guy to have on the team going forward. I've always thought he was reasonable, but those worried about the Supermax size of the contract, I, I think maybe those those concerns should be dispelled. And he just, I think he fits with Scotty with Scotty Barnes really well. I think those two play wonderfully off of one another. You surround those guys with the right players. I think it can be a really damn good team. And as Scotty emerges into whatever we think Scotty's going to emerge into, Pascal can become that sort of second guy again. And I think that's his best role on a championship-level team as a number two. That's where you want him to be. This requires Scotty Barnes to get incredible, and maybe that doesn't happen, at which case, you know, you're kind of spinning your wheels anyway, and, and everything is bad. But... If you're still optimistic on Scotty, which I very much am, dude can uh, get to his spots. Dude can, uh, you know, kind of take over a game whenever he wants to because he's so physically imposing. I think that's a lot of stuff to sort of lean your hopes on and, and not feel like it's too crazy to think he's going to be incredible one day. I think Pascal's a great running mate for him, and uh, I would not move him. Just would not. And I, I think that's a really hard deal to pull off midseason as well. He's got a massive contract the way you have to pull it off and sort of the stuff that would have to be exchanged. And you're probably not getting max value for him right now either. So um, I just not a lot of teams can match up and get us Pascal Siakam under their cap and with proper salary matching and all that at the moment. So I don't see that happening. I don't think it should happen. The other guys, I could totally see every single one of the guys I talked about and more moved between now and a week's time. And again, like I have my preferences, but also I, I think I'll probably just kind of let it all take me and let the wind take me where it goes. And I'll accept anything they do because I can't blame them for wanting change if that's in fact what's going to come here. We're going to come back on the other side, get into the good, the bad and the hmm. We'll talk about Fred Van Vliet. We'll talk about Walker Kessler versus Christian Coloco and the Thad Young trade that everybody hates. And uh, we'll get to the hmm at the end of the show as well. Before we do that. Got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, which is the place to go if you want to play daily fantasy sports that's fun, accessible, easy, and not tied to the season-long slog of setting your lineup every damn night. Prize Picks is amazing. You just pick two to six players on any entry and predict whether they're going to score more or less than the projections for whatever stat it is. Points, rebounds, steals. It could be other sports as well. You can do cross-sport with the NHL and uh, MLB when the baseball season's on. you got women's basketball, women's college basketball, men's college basketball, Euro basketball. All the basketballs are right there for you and to go and make your Prize Picks entries with. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals as well. Currently operational in over 30 
30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, 100 bucks is just going to appear to hang out with that $100 in your account courtesy PrizePix. That's a great deal. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with Prize Picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. We've reached the good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we round out every Raptors recap podcast. And light on the recap in this one because you guys know the story. You've seen it a thousand times before this year. No need to go bit by bit through the chronology of this game. The good we got to give some love to Fred Van Vliet. It was very cool to see him carve up the Utah Jazz as he's wont to do. Uh, 34 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. He shot well in this game as well, 12 of 25. Um, he's the reason they've hung around late in all of their losses on this road trip. I keep kicking my light here. Apologies to the YouTube people for the, uh, the flashing lights. Uh, <laughs> either way, got distracted. Fred's been the reason they've hung into a lot of these games down the stretch on this road trip. The Warriors game, the Suns game, this the game against the Jazz. Like Without Fred, these are complete utter blowouts. And I know I said this a couple days ago, Fred being the reason you stay close as opposed to getting pasted. Uh, it's good for the net rating. I don't think it's good for anybody else's feelings or anything like that. But he's undeniably playing excellent. If you could just get all of the good players on the team playing well at the same time and not completely fatigued and broken down because the guys were not playing well earlier, thus other guys had to carry them earlier in the season, maybe things would be a little better right now. As it turns out, it's not the case, but undeniably, that was a good game from Fred. Really cool to see him, and if nothing else, if he's going to be dealt this, but before this time next week, it's cool to see Fred having himself one last little burst of excellent play for the Raptors to remind people of exactly how great a player he has been for the Raptors, right? Like, he's been... One of the faces of the team for a very long time. He's been one of the staples and sort of the guys who has defined what's ha- what it's meant to be a Toronto Raptor and the development staff and the, the sort of pipeline of players that has dried up significantly of late. Um, but Fred is like one of the last bastions of all of that, of the, of the Halcyon days of the Raptors being the smartest team in the world that nobody could touch. Not the case anymore, as it turns out, but Fred's been awesome, and that's been nice to see, if nothing else. Uh, If this is his last week, it's cool to see him going out with a bang. I don't know if he'll be going out, but we'll see that in the next week or so. The bad. Uh... Maybe the Thad Young trade is bad, folks. Uh, it's uh, I know some people have already sort of jumped to call it bad because Walker Kessler's excellent. So for those who are misremembering or don't remember how this all went down, last year at the deadline, the Raptors traded to get Thad Young. In addition, they traded their first-round pick in exchange for the Pistons' second-round pick that the Spurs had in their coffers. It amounted to the Raptors got Thad Young in exchange for dropping from 20 to 33 in the draft. With 20, the Spurs took Malachi Branham, who had 20 points last night. Looks pretty good as a ball, as a creating guard. Hmm, that's that, that that'd be helpful. Uh, <laughs> a Malachi who's good at basketball, huh? Wow, what a world! Also, Walker Kessler goes a couple picks later, I think at 23. And uh, you know the Raptors could have had their pick of those two at, at 20 had they wanted to. 
They also might have just taken Christian Coloco. As they said, he was high on their board anyway. And of course, they're going to say that after the draft. Oh, we got our guy. We would have picked this guy third overall if we could. Everyone will say that to make themselves look good. But uh, they very well could have taken Christian Coloco. And I don't think you can call the Thad trade bad yet because we don't know how good Christian Coloco was in fact going to become. And personally, I've enjoyed the hell out of watching Thad Young throw cool passes for the last year. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. It's it's enriched my life as a basketball fan. He uh, crossed up Joel Embiid in the playoffs. That ruled. I, I would trade him a twelve drop, twelve pick drop in the draft for that alone, probably. But I'm also a simpleton. Um, you know, the, if Coloco ends up good which I think there's a very real chance of, then you don't got to sit there and stew on this Thad trade. And, you know, look, Walker Kessler is going to be awesome. He already is awesome, and that makes it feel bad right now. Um, And he was truly just stupendous last night. Seven blocks, just dunking everything. It's the exact type of player the Raptors could really use right now. Coloco could become that type of player. It just might take some more time. Uh, But... Kessler's got a real head start, and if you're the kind of person who likes to stew on trades that don't make you feel good, this could be one of them. Still nowhere near the draft mishap that was taking Malachi Flynn ahead of Desmond Bain. Um, that one will go down and just make me uh, like cry in my sleep for the rest of time, probably. But um, yeah, the, the Thad one looking not amazing right now is uh, just you know in terms of the guys they could have had at twenty. Again, they could have taken Coloco anyway, and. You know, that's a different conversation, but uh, Coloco could still be good. This doesn't have to be a bad trade yet, but right now, looks like it just might be. Let's get to the hmm. As I mentioned earlier, Chris Haynes on the This League Uncut podcast said that uh, the Grizzlies don't want the Pels to get OG, and the Pels don't want the Grizz to get OG, and the reason this is my hmm is I think this might be the very first time the Raptors have ever leaked, because uh, this very clearly reeks of, oh, the Raptors are trying to get a bidding war going between the two teams with the most stuff and the most incentive to trade for OG. Let's pit them against each other to see what can happen here. Uh, so good good leaking, I guess, on part of the Raptors. I don't think we've seen the Raptors leak like this. Uh, you know, Again, I'm making assumptions here, but the Raptors don't leak a lot. We know that. Uh, they usually are a very hard team to get a handle on, and uh, this one feels exactly like it came from Bobby Webster's phone to Chris Haynes's phone uh, directly, and or something along those lines. <laughs> it's uh, it again. It, it, I, these guys are sourced out, obviously, but it's always worth keeping in mind where these rumors are coming from originally and the agenda behind them. And this one very clearly feels like a Raptors-driven agenda. I can't imagine the Grizzlies are out there texting Chris Haynes and saying, man, we really hope the Pels don't get OG Ananobi. That doesn't feel like a thing they'd say. Certainly feels like a thing the Raptors would put in the ether. Good for them. Get that price up, baby. Uh, <laughs> and see what you can get for OG from a team that, again, might be an OG away from winning a damn championship. Specifically with the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies could be uh, really devastating if they added OG to the mix. Either way... That's going to do it. I'm tired. We're going to wrap it there. Uh, what a what a disappointing season, man. And just to see the same script play out over and over again. For a season to beat the optimism out of me. <laughs> like, that tells you something. Because I am, according to some folks, the toxically positive person around the Toronto Raptors. No longer. Whatever they do in the next seven days, I'll make my peace with, I think, because this ain't it. This season has been a total bummer. This team is playing like it has no direction whatsoever. Um, do I expect we'll see Nick Nurse fired in the next seven days? Probably not, but I would imagine the calls for Nick Nurse's head are going to start ringing out pretty loud. Um, you know, 
Again, I don't think just firing the coach is ever just the answer. I don't think there's one simple answer for this Raptors team. It's a lot of things that have piled up to create the current circumstance, and it's like a bottom 5% outcome uh, that you'd expect for this season that we've seen. But we've seen it. It's happened. And the Raptors are going to have to react react accordingly. We'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow's show will drop a little later in the afternoon than usual, but it's going to be worth it because Joe Wolfon's going to pop by, and we are going to do a full deep dive on the OG and Anobi trade stuff. Who is a good potential landing spot? Which team is a good potential landing spot? Who could the Raptors target to get back in return? Uh, I'm sure we'll get into other bigger picture deadline stuff with the Raptors with Joe because we love talking to Joe, and Joe knows his stuff. Uh, We will get to that tomorrow. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen, Locked on Leafs, as they're a Toronto sports team that, while they're on a bye right now, are much more interesting and good than the Raptors are. So go get on the wagon, I suppose, as the Raptors season ain't going anywhere. There's no way the wagon's just sitting in the middle of a field not hitched to anything. That's just kind of where the Raptors season is right now. It's uh, Ryan getting dropped in a field by Dwight in the office. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Friday with Joe Wolfon again later afternoon drop time. But uh, until then, have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.